The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I am here. Tommy is here. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. I know you didn't watch the NBA playoffs at all this weekend. I am going to try to pitch you on watching some of the NBA playoffs. I know what you did yesterday because I saw you tweet it out. Um, and you went to the XFL game with the DC Avengers. Uh, and they, what did they do? They, DC the Defenders. Avengers, come on. The D- Defenders. DC de- the d- Defenders. I, uh, the Defenders. I, the, I, I corrected myself. Avengers. <laughs> the only winning, the only winning football team yeah. in DC. Uh-huh. And you can't remember their name. Um, I, I definitely couldn't remember their name there in that one moment, but I corrected myself. See, I mean, I, I'm still quick. Uh, when I make a mistake, I'm able to retract it very quickly. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We got to talk about, um, Chase Young's arrival today at these off season, whatever they are. Uh, we've got to talk about the Jalen Hurts contract and we got to talk about some of these reviews we keep getting. God, they are so nice. I mean, just one five-star rating after another. This one comes from Bruce. Kevin and Tom, hilarious and so off-topic. Always look forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tom's in on a Monday today. Kevin and Tom are so awkward together, it makes for great entertainment. I love when Kevin goes on for minutes on a topic, then Tom chimes in afterwards as if Kevin didn't even say anything and then repeats the (laughs) same information as his own, uh, for which... Um, for which Kevin calls him out for not listening. It's priceless. Yes, that happens a lot. Uh, the best part is Tom acknowledges it. I'm not even sure why I continue to be a Washington, whatever the football team is, fan, as I don't even live in Maryland any longer. I suppose I hang in there hoping for a turning point. And with Danny Boy on his way off, I think we are there. So glad I hung in there. Keep up the great job. HTTR. Forever. That's Bruce uh, 1975 and a bunch of other numbers with five stars via Apple. And then this comes from James. Um, James uh, is in the Navy. Longtime listener since the Sports Fix days with Kevin and Tom and the did you just belch moment on the air. Yeah, Tommy belched <laughs> loudly on the air and I called him out for it and then he tried to deny it. Um, now an office, ha, ha, laughed. 
I'm now an officer in the Navy and will have this podcast give me a sense of home no matter where I am in the world. So thank you both, Kevin and Tom, for that. Kevin is the authoritative voice on D.C. sports, particularly the Washington football team. Tom is that crazy uncle whose takes make you laugh. And then when you're lying awake late at night, you realize, hey, He's actually right. Again, love the banter, (laughs) love the television show discussion, love the city, and I am always here for Doc Walker and his tongue-in-cheek Kevin Sheehan fanboy shtick. Uh, More Doc Walker, including college football games, uh, including calling football games, excuse me. Also, I learned 12 years too late that it was never Christopher Walken who appeared on the Sports Fix all those times (laughs) because of this podcast. Mind blown. Keep up the quality work, gentlemen. Thank you, James. Uh, in the Navy. Uh, You can review us, rate us, uh, anywhere uh, a podcast allows you to do that. That's very helpful, especially on Apple and Spotify. Apple, we were uh, in the top 10 for the last couple of days in the football category, uh, which is really, really uh, impressive for a podcast like ours. Um, And then um, follow us. That's the other thing that's really helpful. If you hit that follow button in the upper right-hand corner on Apple or down the left-hand side, midway through on Spotify. That's a big help uh, as well. So thank you for those. Um, so how was let the me, D.C. Let, uh, let me Defenders just, let me address, game? Yeah. Let me address some of these, uh, these reviews we got here, particularly Bruce's, who pointed out that, you know, he likes the segments where I repeat what you just said. You see, I consider that a public service, Bruce, because I figure... Like me, probably about halfway through, you stop paying attention and Mm. listening. So what I do is repeat what Kevin says, so you get both. You get get double the pleasure of of his viewpoint. So I consider it a public service. Well, I would think that if you really uh, saw it as a public service, you would actually say before you repeated what I said, hey, this is a PSA. This is a public service announcement for those of you that dozed off during Kevin's rant. Let me tell you what he said again and put it put my own spin on it. But that's not what you usually do. You're usually caught off, su- caught by surprise no, no, when I call no, you out. But no, you're let, like, me just, oh, let me oh, just oh, point oh. out yeah. that... I, I, I wouldn't want to embarrass you, oh, with, yes, you would. With, with that kind of thing. <laughs> yes, you would. Of no, I wouldn't. Would. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I would. don't mind embarrassing See, you the... now, but I wouldn't want to embarrass you at those at a moment like that. Right, though. right. So yeah. I just figure I'll just say it again, because sometimes <laughs> what you say has some value. Right. You know? sometimes, sometimes. I want to make sure people hear it. Sometimes yes. it does. True. Yes. Um, well, thank you for that. I, by the way, let me just thank you on behalf of everybody that listens to the podcast for all of the public service that you do, uh, to make this podcast more digestible. Thank you so much. (laughs) How was the Avengers game yesterday? Okay. The defenders game was, it was good. Look, I, I went to, first of all, let me thank, uh, two of our loyal listeners, John and Courtly English. Uh, who uh, invited me and you as guests right. to the game yesterday. You had a commitment. Yep. Uh, me, I'm not a social butterfly like you, so I was free to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've been to, I went to one XFL game the first uh, time the league was in existence. When, I mean, not, 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 no, no, the second time the league was in existence, because the first time is back in the early 2000s. I went like four, four or five years ago 
when they had their first home opener at uh, Audi Field. And it was a lot of fun. And and you could tell that the crowd was really into it. Uh, It was a different atmosphere, certainly, you know, than you would see at FedEx Field. Uh, You know, there are only 18,000 people there. So that, that may have contributed to what seemed like a festive atmosphere. When I went on Sunday for uh, their season finale uh, against the Arlington Renegades, it was a lot of fun again. It was like a, a crowd of almost 19,000 at the game, uh, and they saw a very entertaining game with, 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 the, uh, with the defenders coming out on top, 28-26 in overtime. They have some beer league rules for overtime, so I was very confused about how they were doing that. What do you mean? It's not your typical... Well, it's not your typical overtime. You line up three times, and then you punch it in, and then the other team gets a shot. And I really wasn't paying attention uh, at that at that point. That was like my. That the was game, like my. Well, wait, was wait. The game was the game was in overtime, and you didn't pay attention to the overtime. Well, because it wasn't overtime. It was some kind of like again something you do it. At the J.M. Hill School because it well, was getting you, dark and everyone had to get home. So you really weren't paying attention because you know, now I was I'm on my fourth. I, I was on my fourth Modelo by then okay. too, so I really Ooh, wasn't four of them. You know, um, I, interested so, in paying attention. So I'm now interested in what the XFL overtime rule is, and I'm going to look it up because you can't okay, tell well, me I, you were I at the game. Go look it up. Yeah, I mean, it, no. I, I want to provide a no. public service to those that heard you talk about <laughs> the overtime rules and just said something about three times and punch it in, whatever the hell that means. Well, the truth is, you don't oh, know I, what I, it means. Look, here's, here's the thing: the, <laughs> the defenders had a twenty-six to nine lead, uh-huh. and Greg Williams. You remember Greg Williams? Of course, the he's the defensive coordinator. Defensive I tried to get him on the yes. show; he wouldn't come on. Really? Yeah, I, I've I've asked twice. It's actually the only interest I have in the defenders at this point. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be open minded here with the playoffs approaching, and I have a couple of questions for you about the uh, day that you spent there. I, you can't answer them all clearly because you were four modellos into the day, um, and apparently that blinded you. But I've asked for Greg Williams on two different occasions, and they have said no both times. I think well, you don't want him. His, his, his team blew a 26-9 lead yesterday. They were lucky to get out of that game with the win. Uh, but now it puts them in the playoffs. They have, they have a home playoff game next week. I don't know against I think two. I really want to talk to Greg uh, Williams about the defenders. Of course I would. But don't you think it would be interesting to talk about Greg Williams about his time here or about his time in the NFL or in New Orleans? or Like, Greg Williams has quite a history. He's a hell of Greg a. Greg di- Williams is like it's like Greg Williams is like it's like the guy who's done twenty five years in prison. <laughs> Believe me, lots yes. of, lots of stories. Yes, so yes, it would be good, uh, but you would never know if you're getting the truth out and not about this guy. This guy who's been accused of ha- of rob of stealing playbooks out of locker rooms. Yeah, anything it takes. Yeah. I've got the overtime yeah. rules right here. Can I read them for PSA purposes? It's not important, but if you insist, go ahead. It's important to some. It's not important to you, clearly. Um, it wasn't important to you. You didn't care about the result of the game. The game was in its most exciting moments, and you weren't paying attention. Um, it's they were re- not the most exciting moments. Well, overtime, overtime usually is you know, kind of – let me just say yeah. this. It was an important moment. It was game-deciding. Yeah. 
Because I, I would guess that you don't go to overtime even in the XFL unless the game is actually tied. That may have been the case. Okay, good. So there, there are two bullet points on the overtime rules. Bullet point number one. Overtime consists of alternating attempts from the opponent's five-yard line. Bullet point number two, three attempts per team, two points per score, or until winners decided. Okay, I get it. So they line up, and you, whoever goes first, I guess it's a coin flip, they run a play from the five-yard line, then the next team runs a play from the five-yard line, and you each get three attempts, and you know if you score twice, you've got four points. If you score and the other team scores once, you beat them in overtime four to two, and it's just added to whatever the score was. I'm assuming, what did you say? You said that they had a 26 to nine lead. So I guess the game went to overtime at 26 26, and the defenders made one of those attempts, and Arlington didn't make any. That would make the math work on the overtime. This was the most exciting part of the game, now that you're done with that. (laughs) Swearinger. You remember. Yes, DJ Swearinger had like a 63-yard pick six. Yeah, the place went nuts. It was so much fun to watch it. It was such such a moment of of bizarre justice. Somehow, is that you know he gets this interception that takes it all away, and and the place is just going crazy. I mean, you know, they have a very boisterous, very passionate fan base for these games, uh-huh. and it, it's a fun. I, I tell you what. It's a fun atmosphere. You know, they had the beer snake, which went all the way up to the top of the stands mm-hmm. and, and then curled around the top. Uh, and, you see, you can't do that, at, like somebody pointed out to me, at FedEx Field because the beer's too expensive. <laughs> no, I think at, at least well, you at can, the Defenders game, you can't game, bring your own. It's I guess affordable. You, yeah, maybe you can bring your own at the Defenders game. Um, I don't know. Did I don't know, but the Swearinger uh, interception was the highlight. Uh, of the game, I thought. That's funny. Um, of course, yeah. just for, you know, um, I know we we say this all the time, I feel like we just were talking about DJ Swearinger, which we probably were because we did something the day the Avengers signed him. The Defenders signed him. Defenders. Defenders signed him. <laughs> but you, um, I think, you know, for all of your, you know, good one-liners over the years or nicknames, I think really, honestly, the hardest I've ever laughed was that day when he got released. It was Christmas Eve, and I know we weren't doing a show that day, but whenever the next show we did, when you said to me, if they really wanted to punish DJ Swearinger, they wouldn't have cut him. They would have made him stay, (laughs) which just was so perfect for this franchise. (laughs) It's like if you really want to punish somebody that plays for the Washington Redskins or football team or commanders, you don't release them. You make them stay. It's like you got to stay in prison. You're not getting out. Um, (laughs) But we do know that DJ Swearinger was an issue here. The funny thing is I thought he was a good player. I actually thought he played pretty well for for Washington, especially in 2017 uh, when they were had so many bad defenses for years in a row. And they actually, you know, they drafted John Allen. They started to get a little bit better. Swearinger they added, but my God, Jay Gruden has talked a lot about those days. And it just, you know, he they he wanted to do it earlier. This guy was summarining everybody in public. I mean, he was going scorched earth as a player on the team. I know. 
everybody. Not by the way, not to say that he was wrong about everything, but you just can't do that and then be given warning after warning after warning and be saved by probably the owner or or somebody else. And then finally, I think Jay got his way and you know they they gave him his release, which really wasn't punishment as all uh, at all as you. Uh, no, said. but you know you, you brought up Jay Gruden. Uh, the the uh, the box that I sat in, the private suite that I, I sat in, uh, I was on on the end of the row of of seats, and I was sitting right next to the Renegades coaches, you know, who were up there, right? You know, like, and and it was so much like watching Jay Gruden on the sidelines because most of the time, the guy I was sitting next to, who had a headphone on. He was just shaking his head most of the time. Just who, shaking his head. Who are the coaches? Jay used to, I don't even know who they were. I mean, Bob Stoops is the coach, you know, the head coach. He's the head uh, Bob Stoops is the head coach. Wow. Yeah. But he's on the sideline. There were a bunch of assistants right. up next to me. And I just remember Jay so many times, like, shaking his head on the sidelines when he was in Washington. And that's what it reminded me of. Um, there's uh, one a, more thought. One yeah, more thought. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't think of this till till probably late in the game. Uh, you know, I was sitting there, and it was such a great atmosphere, and it was so much fun. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, how boring it must be to sit in this stadium and watch a two to one DC United game. It just <laughs> must be so. <laughs> So boring. Oh, so yeah. horribly, horribly boring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't fathom be sitting there uh, for that time and watching like a <laughs> two to one DC yeah. United game. When in doubt, just rip oh, soccer. Oh my god! Um, so <laughs> I was going to ask you specifically about the makeup of the crowd because to me, this is my guess. It's younger. True or not? Yes. Okay. Yes. Two. The younger group... A lot of fathers and sons, though. A lot of fathers and sons. Okay. Um, a lot of, Because it's a noon start, so you don't have necessarily the drunken crowd. There's no place to tailgate, for one thing, down there. Right, it out, yeah. It's a new... I mean, I mean, you know, you've got you to be alert enough to get to the stadium, which requires a little bit of alertness. You know, you've got to ride Metro, you've got to figure out where you're going to park, and then it's a noon start... So it's a more conducive atmosphere, I think, to if you're going to bring your kids. Plus, it's a lot more affordable. But uh, it's more conducive atmosphere. So a lot of fathers and sons and families, a lot of families. Okay, what about the rest of the makeup? Is it a bunch of, you know, people in their 20s there for a party and there for, you know, something new? And, by the way, it's football and it's not the Washington Commanders. Uh, it's a team that's actually winning. I mean, because my impression from the people that I've talked to that know a little bit about this is that this is very much right now kind of the same thing that I hate to say you've said about soccer fans, which are soccer fans or uh, real soccer fans or non-sports fans, you know, and they've got the watch parties, and it's that kind of 20-something crowd. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to get a sense of, in addition to fathers, sons, and families, is that the rest of it, in your opinion, based on being there twice now? Oh, again, 
I, I don't have a feel for the whole crowd. Mm-hmm. There's a segment that sits in, in these stands at one end zone where they do the beer snake, where that may be the case. Okay. But where I was sitting uh, on, on, uh, on the press box side, even though I wasn't a press, I guess it was, it was the visitor sideline, actually. Where I was sitting, uh, I saw a lot of older fans wearing Redskins jerseys. Why did you decide to go? Are you writing a column on Swearinger? No. Okay. No, what do you mean when I decide to go? I mean, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I don't have the social calendar that you do. No, so I have a Sunday oh, open. Oh, oh, that's right. John and, John and Courtney and, invited and, you. Yes, they invited yeah, They invited yeah, both invited. of us. And my, my son, yeah. I told you, was in from L.A. for yeah. the weekend. So um, we did a bunch of stuff together, including... Um, including you would have had a good time with t- your son at the game. Including, you know, I, really would have. I, I don't know if he would have dug it, but but yes, I I had to take him, and I want to thank Golfdom. Golfdom's the best. All right, Golfdom over in Tyson's Corner. Um, I did take him uh, to help him uh, get uh, fitted and get a new set of clubs because he's back in to uh, enjoying golf now that he needs it for work more. Um, than perhaps he did before. Uh, anyway, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I, I've heard that it, uh, John and Courtney, by the way, I will definitely go next year. Uh, is there, well, di- didn't they clinch a home playoff game yesterday? That's what oh, Denton. That next Sunday. Yeah. Next Sunday, home playoff game. So <laughs> I shouldn't ask you, but do you know how the playoffs work? No, I don't <laughs> know how the playoffs I don't cover the XFL. I know. I just okay. it, it's it's funny. I don't know the the to me they clinched a home playoff game, and I guess if I were there, I would have asked somebody or been curious about. Well, what is that? Is that the championship game? Is that a semifinal game? Is that a quarterfinal game? Or how does the how do the playoffs work? Do you know how many teams are in the XFL? So you would have been the pain-in-the-ass guy sitting next to me asking me questions. Yes. Well, but I would have been drinking with you, though. So the questions would have become, um, as we would have gone on, they would have become less uh, important and probably uh, uh, more uh, worthless. But do you know how many and teams? I, I would have. I would have told you Google it. No. It, yeah. And then then we would have had we would have we would have had issues. God, when's the last <laughs> time we were at a game together? Um, do you know how many teams are in the XFL? No. There are eight teams in the XFL. And from my understanding, from my producer this morning, the North Division is the division in which D.C. resides. They have an 8-1 and record. There's one more regular season week, but they clinched a home semifinal game. And I think they will play the second-place team in their division – Either the St. Louis Battlehawks, who apparently, along with D.C., draw the best in the league, or the Seattle Sea Dragons, and then the championship game will be in San Antonio, neutral field, and the South Division will feature Houston against, more likely than not, the Renegades, who the defenders beat yesterday in the other semifinal. So there you go. Um, now everybody's up to speed on how the XFL playoffs work. And we gave them some good information on how overtime works. By the way, that's stupid. The whole overtime thing uh, it is. is dumb. It's ridiculous. Um, I also, on the other hand, here's the other thing that they don't do during a game, except I think with two minutes left. Uh, they don't stop the clock for an incomplete pass. 
So the games really go move, move quickly. Yes. I wow. mean, people, I mean, if it wasn't for over overtime, it started at noon, you'd have been out before three. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Scott Spurrier which, which I, may have been which, somebody. Which felt right. That felt right, you know. Not stopping the clock during uh, an incomplete pass. That felt, that felt good. That felt normal. That felt nice for the XFL. Would not to, to me. It would be uh, a big mistake for the NFL to do that. Um, on the staff that you may have been sitting with or next to, Scott Spurrier, Steve Spurrier's son, is the tight ends and the special teams coach for the Arlington Renegades. Okay, I don't think he was the guy with the headphones on. The guy with the headphones on, Heads I up. think, was some kind of important decision maker mm. because uh he he kept holding his hand his face in his hands and and shaking his head and stuff like that well it says the so. offensive coordinator is chuck long who was you know a great college quarterback at iowa and then played in the nfl for many years uh, as well um it might, it might have been chuck long yeah. not, no no it might have been chuck long yeah Oh, my God, Chuck Long is 60 years old. Um, All right, Uh, that's a hell of an opening segment. I don't know that we can beat that. Uh, We're going to get to uh, Chase Young, Jalen Hurts, NBA playoffs, and more starting right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Tommy, since you were downtown after the game and it was still early and you were four Modellos into the day, did you stop at Shelley's on the way back to Frederick? Yes, I did. Huh, really? Yes, Good. I did. And, and, and it was a beautiful afternoon to do it, too. I didn't sit outside, but outside was, was filled with people enjoying the beautiful day. I went inside. Bob was there. Bob, the owner, Bob Matarazzi, a good friend of ours, yep. uh, was there. Uh, and uh, a couple of other friends were mine there. It was good to see them, you know. Uh, and it's like, again, Shelly's is like the place that, you know, where everybody knows your name. I mean, you walk in there, and it's like you never left. So it was really comfortable. Uh, and I know from what I've heard, uh, and I've talked about this before, but it's important to remember if you're planning some kind of private party, Shelly's is an excellent place to have a private party. They're available to host events for groups from 10 to 250, from cocktail receptions to sit-down dinners. 
And even though it's a smoke-friendly environment, they can make accommodations for non-smokers based on the size of your party. Uh, you go to Shelly'sBackroom.com to find out more information, or you can call them at 202-737-3003. It really is it's a very unique place to have a party. And I, we actually had a party sort of last night because I hadn't seen some of these guys since I left for Florida in December. Right. So we had our own little mini party at Shelly's uh, last night, and it was fun. And I watched some of the NBA playoffs there. Good, because we're going to talk about that. But I wanted to just say something real quickly, <laughs> because I don't think I've ever mentioned this. You know, you said that you know we're, we're friends with Bob Moderazzi. Bob's the founder and, and owner of Shelley's. Bob's a great guy. The reason I know Bob is Bob was my neighbor for several years um, at my last house. And I like Bob a lot. He's a, he's a great guy. But Tommy... Before Bob moved into that house, his parents, when we first moved in, his parents were still alive and they lived in the house. And his father is truly one of the nicest people and was one of the most interesting people to sit there and talk to because his father was Italian intelligence in World War II. And I mean, wow. and that yeah. all, all that stuff interests me um, greatly. And we used to sit there in our in the driveways that sort of uh, ran parallel with one another. And I would talk to him. He was the nicest man. And um, he lived a long life. Uh, Bob might correct me um, on this, but I think he lived until his mid-90s, early to mid-90s. Um, and uh, just a, 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 an incredible conversation so many times. Um, those are the conversations, by the way, I just sit and listen to. Uh, not with you always, um, but those are the ones that I just sit and listen to. And it was just interesting to hear about sort of the servizio well, or whatever it was called in World War II, the Italian intelligence under Mussolini and, and um, just fascinating stuff. He was a, actually a wonderful uh, guy. Um, that, but anyway. That doesn't surprise me because Bob is a, is a wonderful and a very smart guy as well. Yeah. So. Um, all right. So... I want to talk. Let's. I'll save the NBA playoffs f for a little bit because I do want to talk about the big sports news of the day today, which was the Jalen Hurts contract. Jalen Hurts signs a massive contract, two hundred and fifty-five million dollar contract extension over five years, which included a hundred and seventy-nine point three million guaranteed for injury and the first ever in franchise history no trade clause. Now, Deshaun Watson's $230 million fully guaranteed contract last year signed with Cleveland is still the biggest aggregate uh, deal of guaranteed money. I mean, $50 million more in guaranteed money than Jalen Hurts. But Hurts's average annual of $51 million becomes the largest from that standpoint. But I wanted to say a couple of things, and then you can weigh in. Number one is this. Um, he's up there for me on players that play for another team that I don't root for and, in fact, for a team that I root hard against that I have always liked and I feel happy for today because I think he truly deserves it. A, he's really, really good. B, he's really smart. Three, he's a great leader. 
Uh, he's classy. He doesn't complain. You know, this isn't a guy that does business through social media. There were no tweets leading up to this with like provocative emojis about the contract that, you know, he was. We didn't even know that this was coming today. Total surprise. He is a grown up professional. And there aren't a lot of them in today's. Uh, you know, major sports. I shouldn't say that. There probably are, but at the at this level, you usually expect a lot more drama with something like this. And I'm not just talking about Lamar Jackson, but I became a huge fan of Jalen Hurts when he got benched. He got beat out by Tua at Alabama. He didn't sulk. He didn't transfer right away. He didn't complain. He didn't play that year. And then in the SEC championship, when Tua got hurt, he came in and led them to a win over Georgia. It was an incredible moment for anybody that cheers for team first, resilience, being ready. The guy was the star and then became the backup. He's what every fan should want, in my opinion, as their team's starting quarterback. You know, if you can't get Patrick Mahomes, as an example. Um, The second point I wanted to make on him is last year, this was a total, you know, uncertainty. One year ago, you know, I I was one of those people that I I like Jalen Hurts, and I always like Jalen Hurts, and I thought Jalen Hurts would take the next step, and that's why I thought Philadelphia had a chance to have a big year. But, But a lot of people, including the Eagles, This was a mystery. This was the one unknown heading into this year. Was Jalen Hurts going to prove to be the guy that they'd have to pay, or would they be looking to draft somebody or trade for somebody in this offseason? Amazing what one year does. He went from uncertainty in terms of future in Philadelphia to the highest paid player on annual average in one season. Um, Next point on this. Lamar Jackson, you know, by extension, is linked to this deal. You know, the Hurts deal confirms for anybody that needed confirmation of this that the Deshaun Watson deal is an aberration, all right? Jackson isn't getting that deal because you could argue best case – best case for for, for Lamar Jackson that Jalen Hurts is the perfect comp. So getting $179 million guaranteed, the Ravens offered $175 million guaranteed back in September. Um, so I, this was probably not the news that, that, that Lamar Jackson wanted if he is still continuing to demand, which I don't know how he can do that anymore. Not one offer sheet has come in for him. Not one. Yeah. Uh, um, you know what? It, it exposes him a little bit for being a little petty and for being amateurish about this whole thing. Uh, and Jalen Hurts is the exact opposite. Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts hired Nicole Lynn to be his agent. Right. He's the first African-American woman to represent an NFL draft pick. Yeah. Okay? Uh, and he also has four other women who manage his life around football, according to this story I'm reading in the Philadelphia Tribune. They're part of his... Media Relations and Client Services Management Team. There's people who work for the NBA in publicity. There's people who work for the NFL uh, in publicity. One woman was the New York Knicks PR person. He hired these people as a group to manage his business. So he's like the total opposite 
of, of what Lamar Jackson has done, who's relying on his family, it seems, to be able to uh, navigate his future. Right, but I think one of the things, and I don't think you're saying this, but I think sometimes people view Lamar Jackson as a problem. He's beloved in Baltimore. All right, coaches and teammates love Lamar Jackson, but to your point, the handling of this has been amateur hour from his standpoint. Now, is it possible that he ends up cutting a deal for 175 to 180 million or maybe a little bit more than Hurt Scott and he does it without an agent? Um, yeah, but the, the process that he's had to go through to get there has been painful. And you mentioned um, Nicole Lynn. I, I read a story about her after the radio show this morning. She, pro- she sent an Instagram DM to Jalen Hurts before the 2020 draft and pitched herself as his potential agent. And he got back to her yes. that way. And she ended up, you know, I think at that point, taking her services to Rich Paul in Clutch Sports, or maybe she was already at Clutch Sports, I forget. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, she 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 did pretty well for Jalen Hurts. Um, the, the, the other thing, real quickly, Tom. Now, you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Well, you mentioned Lamar. And he may be beloved in uh, in that locker room, but he's damaged himself among the fan base significantly. You know, he's damaged himself. Now that all goes away. You know, with a great if he comes back, plays for Baltimore, has a great season. But right now, his star has dropped significantly in a city that's pretty fragile right now uh, when it comes to uh, those kind of emotions. And this is happening at the same time the Orioles have a group of young, talented players who the Baltimore sports uh, community has really embraced. Rutschman, yeah. You know? Yes, yeah. So, uh, I mean, his, his star has fallen what? among the fan base there. Why did you say Baltimore right now is a fragile city? Well, because, because you know, I mean, look. Uh, Baltimore has a reputation of being crime-ridden. Right. Uh, people uh, around the suburbs, uh, I mean, the, the Inner Harbor is a ghost town right now. I mean, almost all the businesses are shut down. You know, there are parts of the city, like Federal Hill, like Locust Point, uh, you know, uh, Fells Point, those places are, that are still very vibrant, obviously. But uh, the area down, down around the, the harbor... You know, uh, for a number of reasons, has become a ghost town. And, uh, you know, there are people, I mean, I'm not one of them, but there are people who claim that they're afraid to go to downtown Baltimore, and I wouldn't have thought twice before. You know, I think that's an exaggerated viewpoint, but you can't, I mean, you got to do something to change people's views. Well, that's what I meant by a fragile city. I was right I was there about a month ago, three weeks ago. I had to go up there for for something, um, and I and I drove through the Inner Harbor, and it's interesting that you say that because it was um, not nearly as vibrant. Now, my son lived in Fed Hill for a while. I, that area is a phenomenal area, and he moved out of yeah. there about two years ago and lives downtown now uh, here in D.C. Um, but you know those those neighborhoods are. There's something about Baltimore that I actually really like. I always have, even though I'm a Washingtonian. I think that there is a um, there are neighborhoods, old neighborhoods. Uh, 
uh, that are um, very diverse, uh, eclectic, um, old, old feeling, but but um, I don't know. It's also very, very blue collar, which I think is kind of cool, actually. We don't have that in D.C. It's, yeah. al- it's also very young. It's very young. M- much Well, so is D.C. It's a much younger city than it probably was at some point. Anyway, we're, we're off topic here. I wanted to just mention this because I had um, Clay texted me, Cowboy Clay, and said, you know, the Eagles basically, and I'm paraphrasing, the Eagles basically do it better than everybody else in the division. You know, they're, they're essentially playing chess to everybody else's checkers, Washington, New York, and Dallas. And I would say that there is some truth to that to a certain point, but I don't know that this is the example because, yeah, they drafted him in the first place, okay? They drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round when they had just paid Carson Wentz. So I think, you know, if you're not sure about your quarterback, although if they weren't sure, they shouldn't have paid Carson Wentz, and that was not – I'll get to that in a moment. But you keep swinging on quarterbacks, and you're never – you should never fear – taking quarterbacks, especially when you don't have one or you fear that you might not have one. Remember, it upset Wentz to the point where they ended up trading Wentz to Indian Indianapolis. Um, but, but, you know, drafting Hurts was a good decision. Making sure that Hurts last year had every opportunity to succeed was smart. They, the trade for A.J. Brown, if you recall, kind of came out of nowhere and was a major game changer for them last year and for him. Um, and the rest of the roster, they've done a really good job of building it up. But, but the Eagles, the truth is, if the Eagles were really playing chess, they would have signed Hurts last summer for a lot less when everyone on the outside was still wondering if he was the answer. And if they were really, really smart, well, they should have known he was. You know, Jalen Hurts wasn't drafted in 2020 to be their franchise quarterback. They had just paid Wentz a year earlier. If their grand plan was for Hurts to be the franchise quarterback, they wouldn't have taken him in the second round that year. They would have taken him in the first round so they had the fifth-year option on him. Instead, they took Jalen Rager, one pick ahead of Justin Jefferson. That's not chess. That's a terrible draft choice ahead of one uh, a, a guy who you, you might call the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, if they were playing chess so much, they wouldn't have had to, they wouldn't have had to eat the largest dead cap salary hit in NFL history when they traded Wentz. You know, now they did the smart thing by cutting bait with him because they realized he was too fragile. Speaking of the word fragile, Wentz was too fragile when they drafted Hertz and they realized he wasn't the guy. But the Eagles have misstepped a lot in recent years. The Wentz stuff had missteps all over it. Um, I know that, but, but, but part of playing chess is figuring out your errors quickly and correcting 100% right in this sense. Yes. You know, part, part of being a good organization is not doubling down on stupid where this, this, you know, the, the Washington franchise, uh, that's, that's their code of ethics for doing business. So that's a, that's a perfect segue into today was for Washington the first day of, you know, these off season training where coaches and players can be together. These are not the, these are not mini camp days or OTA days that you get in June. You get nine of those. Um, but these are 
these are what you know Jack Del Rio referred to a few years ago as where a lot of the DBs weren't showing up, and then they didn't show up for mini camps and stuff as well. Um, and that's what he blamed for the twenty-one defense. But you know, the big news as far as that's concerned is that Chase Young showed up for it. And, you know, this was an expectation, and it was almost like you know a demand from Ron Rivera, like you've got to start showing up for some of these things. Uh, we've got to know that you are committed. And Chase Young showed up today. Um, but this is yeah, still- Well, if you were advising Jay, uh, Chase Young on his business and you weren't just telling him what he wanted to hear, you would have told him that it, it's a good idea for you to be there. Well, I would have told him that to, in 21. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, w- it would have been. I would yeah. have said you can rearrange the schedule on some of these um, spots that you're doing, uh, you're going to make the same amount of money, but you got to tell them that on that Tuesday, June 19th or whatever, uh, that you can't do the shoot that day because you've got to be at an OTA day. Right. Um, but the, right. uh, yeah, it's, but th- the point here is still like, what are they going to do? Because him showing up for today is not all of a sudden going to make them pick up his fifth year option. This is all about trust. Do they trust that he is committed to being the best player and the best, you know, coached player on the team? If they don't trust that he's that player, then, Tommy, as you were just describing, you can't double down. You know, Ron Rivera may not be what, you know, anybody hoped he would be, and he may not be what even people in the NFL think he is because he's highly respected in the NFL. But he's been around long enough, as has Jack Del Rio. By the way, I watched that Baltimore Bullies thing the other day, last week. That was really good, that 30 for 30. Um, And Jack Del Rio was on that staff. Um, But, you know, the two of them have been around long enough to know whether or not it would be stupid to double down on Chase Young. So I don't know where they're going to come down on this, but if they don't trust that he's committed in the way that a pro has to be committed, then they shouldn't pick up that option. And if they don't pick up that option... That's the coach. That's the coach, uh, Rivera, you're talking about. That's not the player personnel, Rivera, that you're talking about. The player personnel guys, unless they're exceptional, generally do not bail on their mistakes. They stick with them. That's what they do. The guys they draft, especially the second player in the draft, I mean, to admit such a glaring error is not necessarily the way player personnel guys go in any sport, let alone the NFL. Well, the Lions so just think, did it. I think, I know. Well, I mean, and look where the Lions have been for, for years, you know. I mean, if, if they did it, they generally haven't done it in the past, okay. And the general manager for this team used to work for that team uh, as, as part of those mistakes, Martin Mayhew. So uh, I'm not so sure you can say that Ron Rivera, the personnel guy, uh, will, will be ready to cut bait with Chase Young if he has doubts. I mean, to your point, Deron Payne's a completely different story because Deron Payne wasn't drafted by Ron Rivera. So not paying him yeah. last year and making him play out the fifth-year option – uh, if it hadn't worked out, I mean, they picked up his fifth-year option. They did make the decision to pick up his fifth-year uh, fifth option, even though he has actually misspoken here recently and said, we made him play out without picking it up, meaning the option. No, the option actually was picked up, and that's what he was playing on last year. 
I don't know. This Chase Young thing is really interesting. Um, there is just uh, – I don't think it's injury-related. I think if they don't pick it up, it has not much to do with the injury. I don't know what they'll say if they don't pick it up, but I don't think it has much to do with the injury. I think it'll be that they don't trust that he's committed at the level that they think they need a star player to be committed at. And here's the thing. If they do all of a sudden in the next few weeks decide to trust it, they better be right um, because you are then tied into you know, 17-something million and if next year goes the way that 21 went before the injury, you'll regret being locked into him for $17 million. But if you don't pick it up and he goes out and has a massive year and he's got the talent, it's tantalizing, his talent. The production hasn't been there since his rookie year. Um, but if you don't pick it up and he goes out there and has 17 sacks and five forced fumbles and two touchdowns next year – and ends up being, you know, in the in the hunt for defensive player of the year. Well, now you really screwed yourself because you're going to have to pay him 24 million on the franchise tag um, instead. And then you've got the decision with Montez Sweat. See, I think it's really going to come down to burden hand versus two in the bush. And I think that the two in the bush is going to be too much of a long shot for them to roll the dice on his fifth year. And I think they'll look at Montez Sweat as the burden hand, solid player, solid everything else. Um, and it's going to be, you know, it'll look like one of the worst picks in franchise history. Yeah. Somebody yeah, well, also give him a chance. They, they do have the luxury of having a Montez Sweat there as well to, to ease the blow uh, a little bit. Uh, another guy who wasn't picked by Ron Rivera. <laughs> right. Um, so what did you make? I think we talked about this over the weekend or on Friday. Um, but what did you make of the Darren Haynes channel nine report, um, that Brian Davis, uh, who we've talked about before, cause the junkies reported this several weeks ago, Brian Davis, former Duke basketball player, best friend to Christian Leitner was in a bunch of businesses with Christian Leitner. They have probably been sued by half of those businesses, um, bilked out of you know bilked people out of money over the years in various businesses. Um, what did you make of the Darren Haynes report that uh, Brian Davis uh, made a seven billion dollar offer for the Commanders, one billion up front, six billion to come within seven days, all cash, and that he's in de- he's offered indemnification uh, to to Snyder. Um, again, that was reported by Darren Haynes um, from Channel 9, uh, in which the story started with the commander's sale may not be finalized, as reports indicated Thursday evening. Remember, last Thursday evening was Josh Harris had reached an agreement, non-exclusive for a period of time, to buy the commanders. And so now we've got this Brian Davis report of a $7 billion cash offer. A billion up front and six billion on layaway. I don't. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you flush your credibility down the toilet with going with a story like that. It's one thing to talk about it on sports talk radio. It's another thing for a news organization to, at this stage, I mean, you know, as far along as we are in this process, 
to go ahead and give it any credibility or legs. And if you're still, if you're going to choose to do that, as absurd a choice that was, then how do you not include this guy's trail of, of broken business deals and court cases and lawsuits? It's right there in Google. You just have to Google it to see. I mean, none of that was included that I read in the report, uh, in, the, in, the, in the written uh, report that was posted by, by Channel 9. So, uh, I mean, I just think, you know, I, I mean, look, credibility doesn't count much for anymore, but uh, you put your credibility at stake when you, when you go with a story like that. But, Tommy, isn't he reported that this offer was made? And that Bank of America, on behalf of Dan and Tanya Snyder, were still in communication with this bidder in Brian Davis. He didn't report anything other than that, which may be entirely true. Then you've got to include Brian Davis's history. That's fair. That part is fair. You've got to include that. You've got to offer that context. If you're going to go with it, you've got to, to, you, you can't just leave out. That, oh, by the way, this guy has, has a trail of broken uh, business deals, you know, for, for years now, and, and, and creditors and lawsuits. You've got to include that. Um, yeah, I think that's true. But I think that the reporting that this b- offer was made and that they are still looking at it, um, uh, that's n- that may not be inaccurate. Now, let me just say this from, from my standpoint. I mean, to your point, it's like there are a couple of reasons why this thing, you know, for those of you that are like, oh, my God, so it's not going to be Josh Harris? Like, I got this, I read this uh, tweet from Kevin. What the, you know, WTF, Sheehan, is the team sold or not? Is this Davis guy for real or is this just Dan desperation? Um, <laughs> people, uh Brian Davis, I guess we could all be wrong here, but A, he doesn't have $7 billion. B, he's not capable of raising $7 billion, not that I know of, based on what I've read. And then lastly, given that apparently he's built NFL players, including Sean Merriman. I'll I'll read that tweet here in a moment from Sean Merriman, who saw this story and laughed at it. I don't think he'd ever be approved by three quarters of the league's owners. So, you know, as far as whether or not this is for real, like this guy really could get the team, uh, look, I don't know anything about it other than what I've Googled and what I remembered. I mean, when this first came up, it came up at the near at the end of my show, Tommy, when, when the junkies had reported it, and Denton, my producer, said, hey, uh, the junkies are reporting that Brian Davis is one of the bidders for the commanders. And I said, who's Brian Davis? And he goes, I don't know. I said, is that the Brian Davis from Christian Leitner from Duke? He said, yeah, that's him. And I said, this guy, I, I remembered, this guy's been sued by virtually everybody. He has scammed lots of people out of money. Here was the tweet from Sean Merriman, you know, former Terp, longtime, big-time NFL pass rusher. He retweeted one of the, you know, reports about, you know, uh, the Brian Davis bid. Bullshit. Brian Davis doesn't have the funds. Tried to get me for $3 million. I took his ass to court and won $4 million. He owes a bunch of athletes money. The other owners will never approve this. Um, 
Scottie Pippen sued Davis and Leitner over uh, over a failed bid for the Memphis Grizzlies back in 2006, which they never could come up with the funds for. Uh, Pippen was awarded $2.55 million. Fannie Mae, Chevron, a Duke Law prof- uh, professor, all sued Davis for the same reason. Um, it, you know, the list goes on and on of all of the shady deals that he's tried to put together. Now, is it possible? No, no that, that's, that's my point. You've got to, I mean, by, by posting it, you know, the fact that, you know, that Bank of America is at, at the behest of Dan and Tanya Snyder, obviously, are, are looking at this bid. But to include that as some kind of big development without the context, Understood. Of this guy's yes. financial background, it's, it's it's you you give this story uh, the credibility that it doesn't deserve. I mean, if you're going to go with the story, you have to basically go with the context of how ridiculous it is. I mean, this is true. This is a sports talk radio host story. This isn't a news organization story. <laughs> Although in this day and age, I just don't know if anybody ever remembers any of this stuff anyway. But by the way, I guess it is possible that Brian Davis has gotten his life together, that he's paid off all of his debt, um, you know, made everybody whole, and somehow through this green energy company, which they write about a little bit, has created $50 billion worth of intellectual value which is where they say the money's coming from. I don't even know what that means. Um, but I would doubt very seriously that Brian Davis ends up buying this football team. I believe that not only is Josh Harris going to own the team, that a lot of that non-exclusive time for the Snyders to basically you know, wrap this thing up, that that's coming to an end here in the next few days. And then we'll just have... The closing and the three-quarters vote from the league to wait on, and that probably happens end of May. But I think the window for Snyder to find another bidder, legitimate bidder, is closing. That's my guess at this point. Anything else on this? Yeah. All right, I want to talk some NBA uh, playoffs. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This segment of the show is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC. Wager your deposit amount one time. You're eligible to cash out two NBA playoff games tonight, Tommy. And the late night game, which now I get to stay up and watch, uh, is game two of what was the best game one of the weekend um, which was Golden State Sacramento on Saturday night. Golden State here in Game Two tonight, a two-point favorite uh, at my bookie. Use my promo code Kevin DC. They'll take good care of you. So, you said you did watch some of the NBA playoffs at Shelley's yesterday. Uh, I watched the end of the Lakers uh, game against the Grizzlies. And yeah, and I watched it. Any any okay. any reaction to it? That's the end. Uh, well, you know what? In a way, you know, I should embrace the NBA the way the game is now because uh, you know, uh, short white guys who can shoot can live in this league now. Well, you know, Austin Reeves did more than just shoot. <laughs> Austin Reeves was a shot maker and a shot creator uh, down the stretch. Um, he was incredible uh, down the stretch. He's played very well for the Lakers over the last month of the season. By the way, Austin Reeves scored 73 points in a high school game uh, in Arkansas um, and was the player, if you're a college basketball fan, he was at Oklahoma forever. Anyway, uh, uh, Tommy, there were games this weekend that were just spectacular to watch if you're a basketball fan. Old school, new school, doesn't matter. The difference between the NBA and the regular season and the postseason, there's more of a difference regular season to postseason in that sport than any other. It's a completely different game. The intensity, the physicality, the way they allow... By the way, it's one of the the amazing things. Because there's so many ridiculously talented and skilled players that you really can't guard. The NBA is allowing teams to really make contact. I mean, it's becoming much more of a contact game on the perimeter than it was when they changed those rules. Remember when they got rid of the hand-checking rule and it created a more free-flowing game? We had the Pistons and Spurs, you know, playing 77-75 games in the NBA Finals in the early to mid-2000s. You know, the Nets and the Spurs. And then they got rid of the hand-checking, and it created this incredible free-flowing game, and then all of a sudden the three-point shot became a big part of it, and the floor stretched out, and it became a different game. Well, now in the postseason, I mean, they're a lot... If they they called all the contact, you'd be shooting free throws for three hours, so they don't want that. But the game from a talent 
skill, physical, um, intense oh, standpoint. Uh I think it's right up there. I mean, the NFL doesn't, you know, is not going to be topped for me in terms of its postseason. But the game Saturday night's one of the best basketball games, start to finish, I think I've ever watched between Golden State and Sacramento. Steph Curry down the stretch in the fourth quarter, it, it, it wasn't just the shooting, it was the passing, the driving, the shots at the rim. Um, it was spectacular. He was great. Now, he missed the last three-pointer, which had a chance to force OT. And that game, if, if we had gotten five more minutes of that game, it would, would have been off the charts. De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, two Kentucky guys, combined for 70 in the backcourt, and Sacramento won the game 126-123. It was a phenomenal basketball game. I, I don't know any other way to say it, but it was one of the better NBA playoff games start to finish I've ever watched. Um, there were great games yesterday. Uh, the, the Memphis Lakers game was a great basketball game. It's just that John Morant got hurt with seven minutes to go, and that really hurt their chances. But how about all of the former Wizards? Rui Hachimura, 29 points yeah. on 11 of 14 shooting. Um, and by the way, the passing, the Lakers passing is phenomenal. Uh, so so are the Warriors uh, in, in terms of uh, being a great passing team. LeBron was just a major facilitator. They didn't need LeBron or Anthony Davis, who had seven block shots and three steals and 12 rebounds. They had Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura close out the game. That was a great game. And then last night was the oddest of games. The Clippers... And the Suns game one last night. You know how big of a fan I am and what a big fan I am of Kawhi Leonard. He's my favorite player in the NBA. He's one of my favorite players, top two or three favorite players in all the sports. It's just amazing what he is in the postseason. He has been one of the great playoff performers of, you know, certainly in this century in the NBA. I mean, he led Toronto to an NBA title essentially by himself. He was part of a San Antonio title, too. And then when he got hurt and tore his ACL in the playoffs a few years ago, he had had multiple 40-point games against Dallas to take them out in a series. He was incredible last night. Incredible. 38 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. The shot making, the big shots, the shooting percentage, he was over 50% from the field. And they needed him because they don't have Paul George. But, Tommy, the performance of one of the oddest you'll ever see was Russell Westbrook last night. You know how I used to love Russell Westbrook, and you, you and I would get in these arguments, and you were right. You were right. You're never going to win a championship with Russell Westbrook as your best player, probably not even as one of your top two players. Russell Westbrook last night, I started tweeting it out because, first of all, I bet the Clippers plus seven and a half, and I was, I was rooting for them. And he missed shots so badly that I can only compare it to Michael Scott in the basketball episode of The <laughs> Office. He, he missed. He was 3 for 19 from the floor. But that doesn't tell the story. Of his 16 misses, I think six of them didn't even hit the rim. The, the, other, the other 10 that he missed were not even close. I mean, it was Michael Scott doing the thing where he throws it over the backboard and he goes, what's wrong with me today? You know, 
Like he was like he expected them to go in. The funny thing about Westbrook is he's actually shot it well since joining the Clippers, but it was so infuriating. I was like, oh my God, he can't even hit the rim. He's so, it was the most offensive, offensive shooting performance by a big name player in a game I've ever seen. And yet he's completely oblivious to it, Tommy, completely oblivious he just keeps firing them. At one point, he had more shot attempts than Kawhi Leonard. And I'm like, you are shooting this team out of this game, which, by the way, he's done before in the postseason. You know, it's not unusual for him to shoot his team or turn over his way, his team out of a game in the postseason. We've seen that a lot with Westbrook. But then, as a defender, as an energy hustle he made more plays defensively. He had, a, a, first of all, he had 11 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, and three block shots. He was the whole way. I, was, I tweeted, and I'm like, Ty Lu has to ban him from shooting, but he's defending too well to take out of the game. And he, Tommy, there's never been a player. Ever. I've said this so many times about Russell Westbrook. I've never seen a player in professional sports in my lifetime that tries harder and tries harder for longer than Russell Westbrook. He never runs out of juice. And his hustle, he, he, was, he was deflecting passes, he was knocking balls out of bounds, and then he had five offensive rebounds. He gave his team five extra possessions. He then had the biggest block of the game, Devin Booker driving with 10 seconds to go. Westbrook swats it up into the, up into the air and then saves it off of Booker's knee out of bounds. Game over. He also hit two key free throws to give him a three-point lead with 17 seconds left. And I would have bet in that moment $1,000 that he wouldn't make both of them. I don't know how he made them. Because he hadn't hit the rim on like his five previous shot attempts. I, I don't know what to make of Westbrook. I, I don't. I think he hurts you more than he helps. But last night was weird because without him, I don't think they win the game. But then with him, I think he kept Phoenix in the game by missing all those shots. They, Tommy, they backed off him, and they said, go ahead and shoot anywhere from basically 10 feet or out. Like, they didn't guard him until he was in the middle of the paint. And they didn't even need to guard him then, because he was going to throw it hard off the backboard. It wasn't going to hit the rim. Um, Really fascinating game. The basketball, I know the many of you feel the same way Tommy does, and I, I, under, I understand it. I think you're close-minded. And I think you should listen to me because if I thought it sucked, I would tell you that it sucks. But for pure intensity, playoff, you know, fevered pitch, uh, pitch with just incredible basketball, this isn't what Tommy thinks it is, people. It's not, a, it's not a horse contest. It's not even close to that. The passing, the defense, the, it's just it's played at the highest level that it's ever been played at. And it's a joke. Oh, it's a please. joke. It's a joke that I love college basketball when please. I watch games like that over the weekend because it's. I mean, I like college basketball for a lot of reasons. Don't get me wrong, but it's certainly not the skill and talent 
because there's never been a time in which we've seen more skill, more talent, uh, on display, I think, in any sport than we see in the NBA today. And less basketball. And what? And less basketball. No, I More don't. skill, more talent, and less basketball. Explain. No, that's not the game. You don't see the game. Yeah, I do. You I see, see the game see completely. A, an aberration of the game. No, it's the highest IQ game that we've ever seen before. Oh, God. Okay, good. Have a party. You know, this is like, this is absurd. It's not absurd. It's an absurd I, comment. Why? Because why? it's not even close to being smart. It, it's, There's it, often nothing but stupidity on the court. It's ridiculous. Give me examples. No, I'm not going to. Give me an example of what you think is high-level intelligent IQ well, you, basketball. Well, you watched the Lakers yesterday. You don't think LeBron's one of the highest IQ players in history? You didn't see him as a okay, facilitator? So was, you didn't so, see Anthony so, Davis so as a defender? So that's your guy? That's, that's your example? The one guy who may be one of the top five players in the history of the game? No, I've got, that's pl- your example? I, I've, I've got plenty of other examples. You ready? You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, watch. It's been painful, so let's continue with it. I'll take the 76ers out of it because I think that's the one team when I watch them, James Harden in particular, although I love Embiid, don't get me wrong, but Harden to me is the player that personifies more than any other over the last five years what you think the NBA is, um, but he's the one. Uh, In Boston, you have... Unbelievable IQ in Tatum, in Horford, in Marcus Smart, okay, to start with. That is a high IQ team with high IQ players. Um, in, in New York, you've got Brunson, and I love Randall's game. All right. By the way, Cleveland's got a player uh, in Donovan Mitchell who makes great decisions. And then Jared Allen, who's just a phenomenal defender and closer. How many block shots did uh, rebounds did he have? 14. Whatever. Um, And then if you don't think the Warriors are fun to watch with their ball movement and the IQ of Curry, Draymond Green might be the highest IQ player in the game. He he literally might be one of the highest IQ players or the highest IQ player Draymond in the game. Green, Draymond Green's Draymond brilliant Green, as a basketball he, player. He, he's a genius he basketball player. He's a he, genius. He would be an afterthought. He's genius afterthought. as a basketball player. Genius. He would be an afterthought when the game was played right. Draymond um, Green would be. He'd be lucky to be coming off the bench. Jimmy Butler is one of the best scorers, facilitators, competitors. This time okay, of year, I'm not of any do player. This with you because it's ridiculous. It's an unwatchable game. No, it's, it's not. An unwatchable. Well, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know because you don't watch the game. Every time that I discounts watch the game, you. It only you're completely. You're completely discounted. You're completely discounted from this conversation. I don't even oh, that, know why I'm that, having that, it with you. I don't even. Good. Why would I Neither have this conversation I. with you? You don't even watch. I don't know. Why don't you you don't even talking, watch it. Why don't you keep talking to yourself about it? Why don't you give out a PSA? About how it's so awful, but you'd have to give a disclaimer that says, I don't watch it, but this is what I think anyway. (laughs) Oh, God. Do me a favor. Seriously, tonight, please do me this one favor. No, I'm not watching a game tonight. Watch Sacramento and Golden State tonight. Watch Sacramento and Golden State tonight. Please do that for me. No. Why? No. What else are you going to do? Because watch I don't Kojak? Watch there's better things to watch. What, Kojak reruns of Rockford Files? 
Just give that a rest yes. one night. Give that one. Just give it a rest tonight. Much better. S- Tommy, Sacramento, Golden State. And the problem is, though, I don't even know why I'm asking you to do this because you won't be honest with your feelings with me. You'll come in here and say, I watched it. It was terrible. It was exactly what I thought it was. And it, won't, and it, and it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> you know what starts tonight? The NHL playoffs, and for the first time in eight years, no caps. No cap series. See, this used to be a fun time of the year for us because we would watch the hockey yes. games and come in the next day yes. and act like we knew, we knew what we saw the night before. And then get ripped by Caps fans for, for talking about them. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Caps fans all year long. Why don't you ever talk about Caps? And then we talk about it, and then they're like, no, you're, you're not allowed to talk about it now because you haven't talked about it all, all <laughs> yeah. season long. Yeah. Oh, the, not, yeah. the Cap Nazi fans. Unbelievable. Um, do you have anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. Okay. I'm going to go watch some uh, – YouTube NBA of when when the game really was smart. Oh, my God. It's embarrassing. Like, if you go back to truly, like, when you were starting to watch it and then you put on this game, I mean, it's like, you know, forget evolution. It's like a different planet. Um, Oh, it's not this evolution garbage. Like, all of a sudden, evolution is on fucking steroids. It certainly looks that you way. You think really? Speaking of, oh, yeah. LeBron actually looks like he's on steroids. I don't know how he got so big. He looks like he's never been bigger and stronger than today. I think it's suspicious, actually. Um, but what do I know? Uh, I don't know. You seem to know a lot. Well, I do know. I, I <laughs> Put it this way. My perspective is at least based on watching it. Um, all right. I will talk to you on Thursday. Is that when we're together next? Or do you have to do Wednesday oh. this week? No, Thursday's good. Oh, guess what? You're doing the show Thursday with Tim Murray because I am going out of it's town. A good thing, on it's Thursday. a good thing that you keep up with keep up with your calendar, buddy. I am going I am going away yeah. Thursday and Friday. Tommy's gonna do the show with Tim Murray on Thursday, and then Murray's gonna do the show for me here on Friday. Um, but I am going to go uh, – I'm, I'm going on a weekend binge of NBA playoff games. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to Denver, then I'm going to Sacramento and L.A. No, I'm kidding. All right, uh, that's it for today. Back tomorrow. Oh, what is wrong with me today? You the headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.